a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 53, April 1978's issue of Godzilla King of the Monsters, number 9, Godzilla in Las Vegas. Hello, time travelers, and welcome to Marvel's Cosmic Comics, a sub-feed of the comic book Time Machine. In this feed, what we are doing is we are going back in time to look at issue by issue, month by month, the books that Marvel Comics licensed from other mediums, whether it's movies like Star Wars, book characters like John Carter, Warlord of Mars, television characters like the man from Atlantis or real life stuntmen like uh, a human fly or movie franchise characters like Godzilla. And that's what we're talking about in this episode. So for right now, well, can we, can we talk about Godzilla? Can we talk about good Godzilla movies? Can we talk about the kind of Godzilla movies that people like because it's actually engaging and entertaining and not because it's really poorly made with poor special effects and poor lip sync dubbing? There are kind of these two different areas of of Godzilla movies, the so bad it's good and then the the so good it's good. And so, for example, the first Godzilla movie is an example of a movie that is actually a really, really strong sci-fi creature feature. And ha- it deserves a place in sci-fi movie history as a, a legitimate feature film that has something to say but does so with a great big giant monster marching through the city, destroying everything. And then you have other movies in the Godzilla series where, you know, there's baby Godzillas and there's reused scenes from other movies. So Godzilla changes from one scene to another. And so there's certain movies in the Godzilla franchise that I would say, hey, this is something that everyone who likes science fiction should at least you know see this one. Or if you like action movies, uh, you should see this one. And then if you like Mystery Science Theater 3000, well, here's a couple for you. But there are reasons why I like Godzilla movies, and, and some of them are the so bad it's good kind of thing. And some of them are it's just kind of oddball and quirky, and so I like that. But my favorite Godzilla movies are the Godzilla movies that kind of, well, that play out with human stories 
that has something to do with the monster story and that actually have maybe something to say about, well, generally speaking, the ones that I like are the ones that have something to say about society at the time where they're trying to make a statement. A lot of times it has to do with uh, really international politics or with the environment. And there's even one that really just takes kind of a, a lens and and just focuses it in on latchkey children. And so those movies, even when they're not great, uh, I like it because, you know, the filmmakers are trying to say something. They're trying to do something more than just have Godzilla stomp on stuff. And so this issue of Godzilla, issue number nine, is one of those stories. It's really a standalone story. It's written by Doug Mensch still. Herb Trimpey is still the artist. We have Fred Keita, who's the inker, Rick Parker, letterer, Mary Titus, the colorist, and then Archie Goodwin is the editor. But this particular episode, or issue, I should say, of Godzilla for, for this segment of the show, it's a standalone. It is not really tied into the ongoing drama that's going on around Godzilla with Dum Dum Dugan and uh, Shield chasing him down, uh, Rob Nakaguchi and his fell his his family, along with Red Ronin, they are in here, but it's not a, an important part of the story. This issue, issue number nine, reminds me of a good Godzilla movie, or maybe. It reminds me of a scene from a good Godzilla movie. Or the other thing that it kind of reminds me of is the old Twilight Zone TV show and the old horror comics where it would be just these short, short stories with kind of a, a twist ending, a pithy ending. But the reason it reminds me of Twilight Zone is because it follows a gambler. And so you have two real streams of action. You have Godzilla doing what he's doing. And you have this gambler in Las Vegas. And the gambler, he has a character arc. But when he gets to the end of the character arc, there's kind of a twist. And it's a personal twist. And Twilight Zone used to do this kind of thing, too. Where the, the ending would have this twist. But the twist is based on the actions of the character. Not so much that it's like, oh, they wake up and it's a dream. But it's not really a dream. Like there's one episode of Twilight Zone like that where the whole episode turns out to be a dream. But then you find out it's a dream because the exact opposite of what just happened in the entire episode is what's really happening. And it once watch it once and it's great. And it's a fun, interesting story. I'm just thinking, well, where is this going? Where is this going? And then, oh, it was all a dream. And oh, but they live in a world that's the exact opposite. That's really interesting. But I'm never going to watch that episode again because I know the twist. I like the episodes of Twilight Zone where the twist isn't just added on at the end to make you say, oh, wow. But to also kind of put a spin on everything you've already seen before. And this one here, this uh, this issue of Godzilla King of the Monsters, it is, like I said, a standalone. It has a beginning, middle and an end. And it feels like it could be an episode of the Twilight Zone. It feels like, and then like I said, it feels like it could be a 
a scene in a good Godzilla movie. And when I say that, I mean, it's one of those, one of those scenes where in a Godzilla movie, you have random people on the street reacting to what's going on. Uh, a drunk looks up and sees lights going by and now that's a gamma, but, um, he's, you know, sees lights going by and looks at the bottle and tosses it away. Short little character arc of this guy who he's never going to drink again because <laughs> drinking makes him see things. And then you can go the opposite direction where he looks and sees this thing that he shouldn't see. It shouldn't exist and looks at the bottle and then decides, well, I'm just going to bury myself in the bottle more. And, and he's going to drink himself into oblivion with some sort of liver disease. Uh, we won't see the liver disease part because, you know, that's way after the, the movie or, you know, people looting the city. And so you follow the people looting the city for a little bit and then they get stepped on that kind of thing. That's what this reminds me of. It's just taking a little more time with that character. And so I'm going to really quick just talk about the the subplots going on in here. And, and that is that we have um, our, our team basically, you know, Rob talk. Takaguchi, he's back, and I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm not looking at it. I'm saying it from memory, but he's back. Red Ronin is back with S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's been two days, and he kind of just shut himself up in the head of the of the giant robot so that they couldn't get in. Now, he in the previous issue, he had fought Godzilla to a not, – not to a standstill. He actually fought Godzilla and then let him go, but he's been hiding in the, the robot. Finally, he's down, and they yell at him because that was pretty irresponsible for him to do that. And then they do hear about what's going on with Godzilla out in Nevada, and they talk about reacting to that, but that re we don't really see them go after Godzilla then until the very end when they kind of follow him away from, from the city as Godzilla is done with his rampage in, in Las Vegas. That's it for that subplot. And I have to say, I don't mind... If I have to see less of Dum Dum in order to see less of Rob at this point in time, I am happy to see less of Dum Dum. I mean, he carries the book. And I have to say, I have a special appreciation for Dum Dum now because he has a new comic that's uh, The Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that comic, it just came out. I haven't had a chance to get my hands on a copy of it yet. And that's something that we'll probably end up covering in Welcome to Level 7 in our comic book episodes that we do over there. But I, I, I love myself some dumb, dumb Dugan, but I am happy to take the time off in this issue, issue number nine, to follow just this kind of off story. And I'm glad that Doug Mensch took the time to <laughs> tell a story not about dumb, dumb Dugan, not about Rob and Red Ronin. What about Godzilla and a man named Will Winslow Bettit? Yeah, Bettit, a man with a gambling problem and his last name is Bettit. Okay, I didn't say it was a perfect story. I didn't say there was no cheese at all. There's some cheese in here, but uh, that, that's the cheesy part. But our, our dual action story here is that Godzilla is in Nevada He's at the the Boulder Dam or the uh, the Hoover Dam, and for whatever reason, the dam has offended him because he is going at it. He is punching, he is pulling. People are running away. 
I think that they should have possibly known that Godzilla was coming in that direction and maybe they would have been able to evacuate the dam earlier. They don't. People are running away now, though. And he smashes it and it starts to come down and it washes him along with the water all the way to Las Vegas. Now, in Las Vegas, you have Winslow Bedett, who is his last dime, and he's choosing what to do with his last dime. Does he use it to gamble because he's gambled everything away, or does he use it for a phone call? Does he call and use his last dime? And which should he do? And it's talking about decisions. It's talking about fate. And it is definitely mirroring the idea of the decisions that Winslow Bedett is making with the decisions that Godzilla is making. Because Godzilla is now deciding, do I go into the city and destroy it or not? Winslow, instead of making the phone call, he chooses to gamble. Godzilla chooses to go through the city. (laughs) And Winslow wins. He wins. So as Godzilla is coming through, Winslow is winning money and he has a huge bag of money. He's finally made it big. He's so happy. He's going to just, you know, let it, let it ride. He's gambling more and winning more. And meanwhile, Godzilla is coming through town and this is not good. Not only is Godzilla coming through town, but the Nevada Dam, the, the, the Boulder Dam or the Hoover Dam, whatever it's called. That water is coming through again. And that is what actually saves the city. Uh, Shield doesn't. It's this wall of water. It's another natural force that pushes Godzilla through. And while everything is being destroyed all around, Winslow has survived. But all that money he's won, he's won so much. He's never won before. He's won so much. And now it is gone. But he survives. He lives. Now, Godzilla, tired of the city, not real happy about the water, walks away. Winslow starts to walk away, finds a dime. He's walking through the ruins of a building, and he sees a slot machine and a phone. And he has to decide, what is he going to use it for? And he goes, he makes the phone call. He makes the phone call, calls Marsha, who starts nagging him. Now, the whole time he's been talking about his mother and how he's just wanting to make his mother proud. Mom, mom, I did it, I did it, I did it. She, as he's talking to this Marsha person, he says, I had to do it, Marsha. Mother is counting on me. And Marsha on the other end says, Winslow, you're in Las Vegas again, aren't you? You've gone off on another one, haven't you? This is the last straw. I'm leaving you. You know very well that your mother died three years ago. And Winslow says, yes, but I'll, I'll be home soon, Marsha. Goodbye. And she says, and then we have the operator come through and says that it's an additional $1.35 to continue the call. He reverses the charges. And... Because he reverses the charges, the dime comes back to him. And so now he has to choose what he's going to do. He has his last dime back. Maybe he should just make another stop in Reno because mother's counting on him. 
And it's sad because he's going to return to this gambling addiction. He's lost this Marsha, you know, and he's lost his mother three years ago. And he's just going to go off and and return to his his old habits. Uh, yeah, even after he has survived. I mean, it's all about fate. It's all about gambling. The odds are in his favor the entire day. He's won money, 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 and survived with his life through this not just one natural disaster, but two. So what's he going to do with that second chance with life? Go back to his old habits. And that's the kind of story that, yeah, okay, sure. It's not super sophisticated as far as storytelling goes. But when you consider this is a 17-page story about a giant fire-breathing monster that stomps on cities and is basically indestructible set in the Marvel universe. I would say it's a pretty sophisticated story with those conditions considered anyway. I liked it though. I really enjoyed it. And I don't remember that when I read this from years ago, there are certain things I do remember. I remember time travel. I remember him shrinking and I remember the moon being something that happens with Godzilla uh, devil dinosaur does show up. I don't remember this particular story, but after I got done reading it, I, I just sat back and thought that was really good. It was a fun, short story that actually it almost says something. It definitely says something about human nature and Godzilla is the storytelling agent by bringing Godzilla into it. That's what causes all this to be destroyed around him, except for his life. Uh, not Godzilla, but Winslow. And so after everything is destroyed around him that he has just pumped money into and tried to get money out of, and it's destroyed. Instead of saying, oh, I dodged a bullet. He's, well, what do I do now? I'll go find, I'll go to Reno and find some slots there. So, yeah, as far as Godzilla goes... That's probably the best issue of the series. I'm just going to throw it out there. It's not the best issue I've read, even for this podcast series. But as far as Godzilla King of the Monsters goes, I think it's the best yet. So that wraps up this segment. As I close my black and white essential book on Godzilla King of the Monsters, it is time for me to now open my full color omnibus volume. John Carter. Warlord of Mars. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number 11, the origin of Dejah Thoris.